are you? Let's lift up our Bibles. I want to share some things with you. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Bible. Every word in it is true. true. I am who it says I am. I I can do what it says I can do. do do. Today, Today, I'll be taught God's word. word. It's his truth truth. transforming Transforming. every part of my life. life. And I'll never be the same. same. In In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the next couple of weeks, what I'm going to be sharing with you is something that God wants specifically for our church. I want to tell you why. When, I, when I'm praying about what I'm going to preach about, it's really about, God, what's going on? What do you want me to say? I, I don't have a, a manual that says, okay, for the next 12 months, this is what you're going to preach. I really try to spend time with God and pray and say, Lord, what do we need to hear? What do the families, the individuals, the people of Highland Assembly of God need to hear? And, and as I was doing that over the last couple of weeks, and, and I had one of our, our leadership team was talking to me the other day, said, Pastor, I want to hear from your heart. And so I'm going to share with you today some things that I feel God showed me for our congregation. After this series, God showed me the next one. We're going to talk about abiding in Christ and what that really means. I prayed recently and I said, Lord, what, as, as believers, what do we really need? And I felt like the Lord showed me two things. He said, the first thing is we need more power in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God living in our lives to help us overcome the world and overcome the challenges that we face, to reach those around us. The, the second thing was, and I really felt like this was strongly from the Lord, he said, abide in me. Abide in me. So I've been studying that. But before we go there, I'm going to talk to you over the next couple of weeks about storms. How many of you like storms? Come on, some of you like storms. I mean, you see those big clouds coming? And you start getting excited. You know, I mean, here, here it comes, you know, and, and the power of a storm. And, and this came up a couple weeks ago. Uh, Trish and Tan and I were back there talking, and, and I think, uh, I don't remember if it was Trish or Tana mentioned this, but, you know, the hurricanes were going on. It was back when the hurricane was forming down in Louisiana, and we were facing a drought, right? And, you know, that hurricane came in and actually broke the drought in our area, didn't it? But the first thought was, when we start hearing about a storm coming, many times we become afraid or concerned, but, but storms have different purposes. Sometimes something that can look big and ominous in your life actually can bring the healing rain that you need. So sometimes storms can be good things. Maybe in themselves they may not be, but the end result is a good thing. My Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I can get through storms. My Bible also says that God will work out things in my life for my good, even the bad things. My Bible says that. That what the devil means for evil, the Lord will use it for good. And so when storms come up in my life, even though they may knock trees down and lightning bolt hits my TV and all these other different kind of things can happen, I know that the end result of storms is going to be a good thing. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But we're going to start these next couple weeks with Bible stories. And I want you to do this. This might be something interesting for yourself. Go through the Bible or go on the Internet and type in storms in the Bible. And you will notice that throughout the history of the Bible, there have been various storms that have happened. We're all familiar with the flood that happened in Noah, right? Remember Noah, the flood he dealt with? Well, that flood came along and it cleansed the land, right? And then there's Jonah, who we're going to talk about today. You know, kind of the crux of the story of Jonah was a storm, wasn't it? 
a storm that came into his life. And, and as I was prepared, I, I really read through. I mean, there's only a few verses in Jonah. And I really wanted to tell you the story. But we were doing some research, and Monica actually found this for me. I brought in somebody today that's going to help me explain to you the story of Jonah out of the Bible. And her name is Mary Margaret Douglas, and she is six years old. So let's watch uh, Mary Margaret tell us the story of Jonah, and then I'm going to follow up. and I'm six years old, and I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah. Long, long ago, there was a man named Jonah who lived a good life and always obeyed God's laws. He thought of himself as a true man of God. Jonah was a hard worker. Through his labels, he was able to buy chickens and a donkey and a goat. One day... God spoke to Jonah. Jonah. What? Jonah, what was that? Are my earring things? Jonah, I am the Lord God. There is a city called Nineveh far away. It is filled of people that have become wicked lives. They have forgotten about kindness and helping others. Why are you telling me about them, God? Because I want you to go there and tell those wicked people I am going to destroy them in their city because of their wicked ways. He, yes, Lord, I will go, but they won't listen. They're evil. The more Jonah thought about it, the more uneasy he became. That night, Jonah did not sleep very well. No, they'll hurt me. Nineveh is so far. They'll laugh at me. No, Jonah was denying God's plan for him. Nineveh? Those people don't even know about God. Why should they believe me? They might even try to kill me. The more Jonah thought about those wicked people, the more frightened he became. He decided to run away from God. That very night, he packed his clothes and hurried to the seaport. That very day, he saw a ship that was getting ready to sail far across the land. Who? Who goes there? Jonah, sir. Uh, please, Captain, let me come with you. I'll give you all my money for a place on your ship. Huh. Looks like trouble to me. Yes, I wonder what he's running away from. Well, I guess we can find a place for you. Jonah boarded the ship and hid deep in the hold, as far away from God as he could. At last, he saw the anchor being drawn up onto the deck. At last, we're heading out to open sea. God will never find me now. Ah, I'm going to have a new life for myself. When God saw that Jonah was trying to run away from him, he sent a storm to try and find him. God sent great gusts flying over the sea, for no one can hide from God. God, men on deck, we're taking an overboard. Captain, we're 
are sinking. We need to board the ship. Throw the cargo overboard. All the sailors went under, went down under the, the boat. Look, he's sound asleep. We have, we need all hands on deck. Hey, wake up, wake up. Come, we have no time to wake him now. As the, as the sailors closed the door, Jonah War fell asleep. At, at that day, it was dark as night. And, and there were waves flying over the ship. Jonah ran up on deck. Only one thing will save the ship. Stop, stop. You must throw me into the water instead. What are you saying? We can't throw an innocent man to this angry sea. Listen, God has sent this storm to punish me. Punish? Why? I tried to run away from him, and now he has found me. If we throw him over now, he'll surely drown. But the wind and the waves are too much for us. We have no choice. The sailors grabbed Jonah and threw him into the sea. The sea became calm. Down, down, down into the sea sank Jonah. But God was not yet finished with Jonah. He sent a big fish to swallow Jonah in one gulp. Jonah found himself in the stomach of great fish. Oh, it's so dark in here. What will become for me now? Maybe God will still hear me. Jonah turned to the Lord. Lord, thank you for saving me. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed for three days. I'm sorry I tried to hide from you. Please let me out of this terrible prison. I will do as you commanded. God heard Jonah and knew he had changed. He made the fish spit out Jonah onto the, onto the land. Thank you, merciful Lord, for delivering me safely to land. Now, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell those wicked people I am going to destroy them. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I'm on my way. Jonah used a drum, calling to the people. People of Nineveh, listen to me. The Lord God will destroy you and your city. Stop your wicked ways. What? Did you hear that? You have angered God. He says the Lord is angry with us. Why? What have we done? You are vain and selfish. Maybe if we change our ways. We've been too concerned with our fancy clothes. You are greedy and unkind. We should share our riches with the poor. You are wasteful as the poor star. 
We've been eating too much and not caring about our hungry neighbors. It's true. We've been selfish. God will punish you. We must all pray to the Lord for forgiveness. The people heard Jonah, prayed to God, and began their ways. That day, Jonah sat on a mountain and sat down to watch God destroy it. He waited and waited. I feel like a fool. All my work has wasted. God is not destroying Nineveh. Jonah. Yes, Lord. Jonah will never learn my life. My love is great. It is greater than my anger. And it is for all my creatures. Didn't I give you another chance? Yes, you did. Now I am giving the Ninevites another chance. Go now, Jonah, and try to love as I do. Then you will be a true man of God. Yay for God! He has forgiven us! Yay! Oh, hooray! So Jonah began his long journey home and tried to love as God had taught him. The end. Thank you very much. You're welcome to see my stories anytime. Isn't that something? She is six years old. That's really amazing. Really amazing. Oh, no one. Yep. Now, she took a little license in there, but she got most of it right. But for a six-year-old, that's really not bad, is it? I mean, that's something. And she's got a couple others, and I may share some of them with you later. But um, the storm is what turned everything around, wasn't it? And there's so many things about the story of Jonah that are great. The fact that Jonah feels like he can run away from God. Have any of you ever tried to run away from God? The rest of you are lying right here in church. <laughs> but I mean, I think of the times when you know God's asked you to do something. And you go, nope, going to do this. Has that ever worked out for you? No. Doesn't work, does it? But Jonah does that. He runs from God. And, and, and as I was sitting and thinking about some things, the Lord really showed me a few points that I want to cover with you today. And here's the big point. Sometimes storms happen in our lives to get us back on track. Sometimes storms happen in our lives to get us back on track because the storm was the turning point for Jonah. See, if that storm had never come, Jonah would have just kept going on his way, wouldn't he? He had plans for his life. He wasn't going to do God's will. He was going to go his own way. And so the storm, the storm, God sent the storm to turn Jonah around and it actually changed his life, didn't it? But on the surface, what did it look like was going to happen? It looked like it was going to, he was going to die. That it was going to destroy everything. Sometimes some of the challenges that you face in life are the very things that make you turn to God. Sometimes it's an accident that happens in our life and our, our bodies are hurt and we turn to God. Sometimes it's the death of a family member or a friend. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's pain. But there are things that happen in our life, and we realize that unless God helps us, we're going to be destroyed. And these storms come. But you have a choice. See, Jonah had a choice, and so do we. Here's your first point today. 
Number one, God is full of grace and mercy for us and others who we think are unlovable or unreachable. I'm going to read that again. God is full of grace and mercy for us and others who we think are unlovable or unreachable. And I need to explain this to you for a second because this is very, very important. This is the Old Testament. And Nineveh, the Ninevites, were actually people of the Assyrian nation. And I studied this a little bit. And the Assyrians were very, very nasty people. They were extremely cruel. And Nineveh was the capital of their city. Now, Nineveh for its day was amazing. Uh, historians tell us that Nineveh was between 55 and 60 miles in circumference. It was a huge city. Uh, stories tell us that it would take sometimes up to three days to actually walk through the whole city. So this was a huge place. And it was the capital of the Assyrian nation. And I began to study a little bit about the Assyrians. The Assyrians were a very vast empire. They were known for their cruelty they were brutally cruel to their enemies. They tortured. They were extremely bad people. And I, and I even, as I was reading through some of the things they would do when they would take over a city or they would capture people, I'm not even going to mention them because they're absolutely horrible. And these guys were not nice people. I'll give you an example. Um, Jonah being sent to go to Nineveh would be like me asking you to go hang out with the Taliban. Okay, get it? That would be like me asking you to go hang out with a bunch of Nazis and go minister to them. It would be my, like me telling you to go hang out with Al-Qaeda and minister to them. Same thing. You get the concept, right? These are not people you go hang out with and watch a football game. As a matter of fact, these people were the enemies of Israel. So when God's telling Jonah, hey, I want you to go and I want you to tell these people I'm going to destroy their, their city, Jonah's like, man, dude, I don't, good, get after it. He wants them to be destroyed. He hates these people. He doesn't want to see them. I mean, God, why do I want to do that? But isn't it amazing that in the Old Testament that God would send one of his prophets to a city of their enemies to speak a word to them? And boy, there's a lesson there. God is full of grace and mercy for us and others who we think are unlovable or unreachable. We're all God's kids. And the people in your life who you would consider enemies, the people in your life who have hurt you, there are people in your life that, that have, have deeply wounded you and others. God loves them as much as he loves you. And Jesus died for them also. Isn't that amazing? And that point really stuck out to me, especially when I began to realize, I mean, this is not like God telling you to go down to Ash Flat and minister to some people. <laughs> And I thought about this as I sat back and really thought about this. I think of those people that are called to be missionaries that go to foreign countries where many of them are persecuted and killed sometimes for the gospel. And if you talk to them, they are so in love with these people. That's the heart of God. He loves everyone. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Here's some other interesting things about the Assyrian culture that I found in my studies. They also invented, the Assyrians were the first people to invent door locks. So the keys, they invented keys and door locks. How about that? They also invented flushing toilets, of which we're all thankful for. They invented that. I thought the Romans did, but it, or Greeks or somebody, but no, it was, the, it was the Assyrians. They also were the first ones to invent paved roads. 
So they were a brilliant people, but they were a cruel people. Anybody know anybody like that? Brilliant but cruel? Jonah 3.10 says this, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened on those people. And I want you to understand how huge this is. This was a nation that was an enemy of Israel. And when they repented and turned, God forgave them. There's hope. There's hope for anybody that calls on the name of the Lord. Here's number two. Our disobedience affects other people. When we disobey God, when we walk away from the plan of God in our lives, when we sin, when we don't do what God wants us to do, it affects other people. For Jonah, it was the sailors and the Ninevites. And I think about this for a minute. I mean, Jonah's being disobedient, and he's running away from God, and he put everybody on that ship, all their lives in danger, didn't he? Every one of them. Because of his disobedience. I've heard people in my own life, and I have thought this before. Well, if I do this, it won't affect anybody. You ever felt that way? Well, this is my sin. It won't impact anybody else. Wrong. It's not the way it works. When we disobey God, when we don't follow God's plan for our lives, there's all these people around us that are impacted by that. And Jonah experienced that firsthand. All the lives of the sailors on that boat were put at risk because of his disobedience. But it went beyond that and went to all the people in the city of Nineveh as well. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Jonah, verse 117, excuse me, 110 says this. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for, they had already told, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. Why did you run away from God? Chris, why did you run away from God? Because now that's impacting us. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? You know, one of the most painful things for people is when they realize that their sin is hurting those around them. There are people impacted by their disobedience. And I want you to look at your life today. Are there people whose lives are being impacted in a negative way because you're not doing what God's asked you to do? Has your unforgiveness affected those around you? Has your sin impacted people? Let me tell you something. It has. It absolutely has. Here's number two. Excuse me. Number three in your notes. I messed this up. Sorry, Becky. God has prepared a way of escape for us in the storm. God has prepared a way of escape for us in the storm. Jonah 1.17 says this. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. There's another version that says the Lord had prepared a great fish. And I really sat back and thought about that a little bit. See, God had prepared a fish. God had a plan for Jonah. And so God had either created this fish to be there at this time, or he had a fish stationed where the boat was going to come by. God knew what his plan was. He had a plan to save Jonah in the midst of this. Do you not think that God has a plan for you? Some of you right now are saying, my life is a train wreck. 
There are so many challenges that I have. There's no way that God can help me. And I want you to understand something. If God has to create a fish just to rescue you, he will do that. Now, your fish may not be a fish. It'll be something else. But God will create something. He will engineer circumstances and situations to help meet your needs. That's an amazing promise, guys. Prepare to fish. And it was a big old bass. It had to be. You know what I'm talking about? Jonah's out there flopping around. Dun up. The cello starts playing. Dun up. Dun 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 dun. But, the, you know, and then this fish comes up and grabs him, but he doesn't die. He's in the belly of the well for three days. So God created an apartment in a fish for Jonah. That gives me hope. That gives me hope, and I'll tell you why. Because God will do whatever he has to do to help you. Isn't that amazing promise? Even if he has to prepare a fish to meet your need. That is, that is so awesome. God has prepared a way of escape for you. Turn to him and find the answer. Run to him. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that whenever I face challenges in my life, I sit around and I spend a lot of time figuring out how it's going to work out. God, if you'll do this, this will work. If you'll do this, God, if you'll make this happen or that happen, come on, let me see your hands if that's you. Thank you for your honesty. You're the ones that sit around like me. I'm the king jelly bean of this, okay? And I'm sitting around and I'm going, God, if you'll do these four things, and God's like, no, 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 no. Here's what I've learned. When I face storms, when I face challenges, when I'm dealing with issues like that, what I need to do is stop and stand back and say, Lord, I surrender to you in this situation. Your word says you will rescue me. And if that means sending a fish or whatever, he will do it. I love the verses, and there's different places in the Bible. For instance, when the children of Israel were up against the Red Sea, and the word comes to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In themselves, the Hebrews did not have the power to part the Red Sea and walk across, but God did. And he said, stand still and watch. And I'll encourage some of you today, and this is for some of you today, that you're dealing with all these issues and your turmoil and you're, you're trying to figure it out and you can't. And I want to tell you right now, stand still. Surrender to him and say, God, help me. Deliver me however you want to. And then watch what he does. Watch what he does. It's an amazing thing. Here's number three. Or number four, I guess. It's the, the other number three. <laughs> God cares more about people than he cares about stuff. God cares more about people than he cares about stuff. You know, there's some things that are really amazing to me about this story, many, many things. But as I sat back and said, Lord, all right, what, what are you speaking to me in this? Here's the, here's the first thing, the first note that I put down here. This is not in your notes, but you can write it down. Are you not amazed at how patient with Jonah God is? Think about it. I mean, the Lord did a lot of work here to get Jonah back on the right course, didn't he? Think about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that if I ask you to do something a few times and you finally don't do it, then I'll just go on to something else. God didn't do that, did he? I mean, God had this fish. I mean, he went to all this work to get Jonah back on track. That is amazing to me. 
He didn't give up on him, did he? God did not give up on Jonah. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. That God will go to those kind of lengths to reach somebody. Because my thought would be, Chris the executive, my thought would be, hey, if Jonah's not going to do it and he's taking a boat, fine, we'll find somebody else to do it. But not God. So no, Jonah, I love you. I've got a plan for you. I need to teach you something. And God went to all that work. He's got a plan for you too. And I think about how patient he is and how loving he is. There's a second thing that, that struck out, stuck out to me. God loves his children so much, even ones like the Ninevites who are so unlovable by the world's standards. And we need to remember that. Now here's really how the story ended. Mary Catherine, or Mary, what's Mary Catherine, is that her name? Mary Margaret, she took a little poetic license. And I'm going to read to you what the scripture says at the end. Jonah went through the city and he began to proclaim God's wrath coming and the whole city repented. Now I want you to understand something. When it says the whole city repented, there's a number that's attached to that. Then God said to Jonah, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how many people were there. I'm going to skip around a little bit. There were 120,000 people living in this city. 120,000 people that lived in Nineveh. Jonah 4, 9 through 10 says this. Well, let me tell you what happened. Jonah preached, then he went up on the mountain to watch the destruction. He grabbed his popcorn, grabbed his root beer, went and sat up on the side of the hill and said, this is gonna be good. Because he doesn't like them. And he's waiting for this to happen and he sits up there and while he's sitting there, the Lord caused a plant to grow up next to him and shaded him. The Lord did this just for him, just shaded him over there. And then the plant died. A worm came and ate the plant and the plant died. And the sun got really hot and the Bible tells us an east wind began to blow and, and Jonah got really hot and miserable. Anybody been hot and miserable? Like in the last week or two. All right, so this is Jonah. He's sitting up there. There's no destruction yet, so he's already aggravated about that. And now he's hot. And he's uncomfortable and he's gripey. And this is what happens. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died, the shade died? Yes, Jonah retorted. I can hear him saying this. Yes, it's my right to be mad. And then he says this, even angry enough to die. I deserve to be frustrated. Matter of fact, God, I deserve to be frustrated. I am so mad, I just want to die. And I love this. This is the heart of your God. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. And then God says this to Jonah. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. And then he goes on to say, not to mention all the animals in the city. God even cared about all the animals in the city. And then he says this, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Wow. The heart and compassion of God. And you know, I really believe that must have changed Jonah's life because he really saw the heart of God in that moment. 
And it all started with that storm that came along that redirected. And do you realize something? That's one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. Jonah went around and preached, and 120,000 people turned their hearts back to God. That's amazing. And it took a storm to get him back on track. I want you to catch this today. This is what I want you to catch. Who is waiting on you to turn back? What people are waiting right now that aren't being reached because you're disobeying God? What people around you in your life? I mean, did Jonah think that the whole city was going to turn back to God? Certainly not. He was sitting on the side of the hill to see what was going to happen. But, but because of his obedience, God ended up saving those 120,000 people from destruction. What happens in your life if you're willing just to turn around and surrender to your, your life to God and say, Lord, here I am, use me. And maybe that storm that you're facing right now is about you getting your life back on track. It's about you surrendering and saying, God, here I am, use me, whatever you want to do in my life. It's an amazing promise. So I want you to look at your storm differently today. Maybe whatever challenge you're facing, whatever's going on in your life, is God redirecting you. The key is surrender. The key is surrender. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, I'm going to stop running. Lord, I'm going to do this your way. And then watch what he does. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this amazing story of Jonah, Lord. This amazing story of Jonah. And Lord, Jesus even talked about Jonah, how the Ninevites turned and and what an amazing thing that was. Jesus said that. And so, Lord, we know it can happen, but it starts with us being obedient. It starts with, with us stopping are running from you. Lord, trying to disobey and do our own thing and it's not working out anyway and and some of us just need to stop. Lord, just fall into your arms. Lord, Jesus died for us so that we could be free and we could be healed and we could be whole. Lord, I just pray right now. I know, I know that there are people in here that are facing storms in their life. Their marriage is having challenges, Lord. They're, they're having challenges at work. Maybe they're dealing with some things physically. Maybe they've been just in disobedience to you. They, they've literally turned their face and they're walking away and they're doing their own thing. And they're trying to figure out how to fix the problem. And like Jonah, they realized that I just need to jump overboard. I need to trust God. If that's you today, just look at your heart. Examine yourself. Are you in a storm today? Maybe it's a storm you created. Maybe it's a storm that's come on you. But you're in a storm and you need God's help. Stop struggling and look up. the prayer partners will come forward right now 
Lord, I just, I thank you for your presence today, Lord. And I know there are people that were all dealing with various things in our life, Father. Some of us are having some rain showers and some of us are dealing with a hurricane. But we know that you're there. And Lord, we know that you've prepared a way for us, that you're our refuge in times of trouble. If you're here today and you're dealing with the storm, there, there's a challenge going on in your life. There's something going on and you need God's help. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm dealing with some challenges right now. And I need God's help. Amen. Amen. Or if you're here today and you've not made Jesus your Lord, you've been running from God, you've been trying to do your own thing and it's not working, want to surrender to him you want to make him the lord of your life you want to make him your savior that's you just slip your hand up say pastor that's me maybe you're a believer and you've known god but you've willingly chosen to walk away but today you want to rededicate your heart to him you want to give him your life Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm a Christian, but I've walked away and I need God's help. Amen. If there's, if you raised your hand for any of those things I just mentioned, or you're one of those people right now that you're dealing with some storms and you just need somebody to agree with you in prayer, we're going to open the altars right now. Just invite you to step out and come down and we're going to agree with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray that God will deliver you from your storm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
all stand this morning. Lord, I thank you for loving us so much. Lord, and I thank you. You're, Jesus, you said in the, in the world we're going to have tribulation, we're going to have storms. But you said, be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. And so, Father, help us when we face challenges in our life, these things that go on, Lord, let us run to the cross because you'll never turn us away. We thank you for that, Lord. Bless us as we leave this place today in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you have brought your uh, Dream Team Covenants. If you brought that document this week, you have this week and, of course, next week also. But if you brought those, I'll meet you down here at the altar and you can give them to me.